business. The blog and podcast for game changers and innovators in the construction industry. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen. The topic of the episode is the Urban Village Project, a vision for how to design, build and share our future homes, cities and neighborhoods. My guest is from Space 10, a research and design lab in Copenhagen. So my name is Jamie Williams. Uh, I'm the architecture lead at Space 10. Um, and I essentially help to ensure that projects across Space 10 that actually relate to the way that we kind of design and build, if you like, our homes and cities um, and also infrastructure uh, are actually value driven and, and cohesive, if you like, across across the board and also kind of contributing to the mission that we and IKEA have of creating a better everyday life for the many people um, and planet. Uh, I've been at Space 10 for two years and I primarily lead the shared living explorations um, and the main project underneath that exploration is the Urban Village Project, which we launched two weeks ago. And what is Space 10? So we are a research and design lab for IKEA. Um, we were founded four years ago and we're based in the meatpacking district in Copenhagen. Uh, we're actually situated in an old lobster factory that we converted. Um, and we are set up by Inter-IKEA Group. Um, and we actually don't take briefs, uh, for example, and we're a little bit different to other innovation labs, if you like, that big companies set up. So what we do is we're, we say that we're on a mission to create better and more sustainable ways of living. And we don't actually work with the current and core business of IKEA. So instead, we actually are there to inspire and engage IKEA as a global company um, and explore everything from how to grow food in cities to what the future of mobility looks like, uh, how digital innovation such as augmented reality or you know improvements in energy systems like solar can actually empower our futures um, and then try and inspire and engage IKEA to actually, yeah, um, understand what that means in, in a global context. So uh, you're, what you're doing is uh, somehow connected to urban environments? We're guided by the five macro trends, um, rapid urbanization and demographic and political shifts, um, looking at climate crisis and technical innovations. And and it's not just focus on urban environments, I would say. It's it's more like the broader scope of, of what is actually going to challenge the, our everyday life um, and how do we ideate concepts and solutions that can... Um, yeah, potentially ease some of those problems and challenges that we are already experiencing uh, difficulty in. Um, so it, it's actually broader than just urban. It can be more in a digital realm. It can look at kind of how we can help people live in the in the countryside. Um, yeah, we're exploring what autonomous vehicles can mean. A lot of different uh, different things actually. But you mentioned the urban village project, and um, can you give us a little? background uh, about how, how it came about sure well we one of the the kind of starting points for any of our projects is trying to understand if you like the world around us what is happening what trends are incurring um as i mentioned what challenges are are there facing us and, and how can we find kind of patterns in this chaos if you like and co-living um about two years ago started to be kind of revived if you like with the with this the rise of the we lives and the collectives and, and kind of the bigger movement of, of modern day co-living um, and we saw some opportunities there and seeing okay what does this new way of living together actually mean and, and do we want to live like that uh, is that something we see as 
as being positive. Um, and and I, after exploring and spending two years actually, you know, doing a lot of interviews with people living this way, going to actually visit some of the more larger co-living spaces and also exploring what co-housing is and, and just looking at how people are, are living today, we, we could see that there is a great potential in, in this word sharing. Um, so that's why the, the case that we're working on is called shared living. So how can we share for efficiency and, and kind of community? And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to share space. It like with meter squared. I think it's also more about the opportunities in, you know, how do we share finance and energy and services and mobility, looking a little bit to the sharing economy, which has also changed the way that we, you know, have a, um, a relationship to our things. We're not owning as much as we used to. We're sharing it. And, and so we could see a lot of, yeah, exciting opportunities around this idea. Um, and with our urban environment facing huge challenges with, you know, lack of affordable housing and rapid urbanization, population shifts, and, and the fact that actually, you know, building our cities and our built environment is a huge contributor to um, energy and uh, resource uh, use. So we just thought it was, um, yeah, a really inspiring and, and exciting opportunity to start diving into this area of, of exploration. And, and that's then after two years of research, how the Urban Village Project came about of trying to bring all these insights and learnings together into a, a concept and a vision, if you like, that we would like to, yeah, inspire and engage others to, you know, start sparking some interest and, and conversations around, could this be a new way to live and build and um, and share our cities and homes. But uh, in what way is urban village uh, different from other current urban development ideas? Well, we tried to take a look at this from, you know, how can we understand and identify scalable opportunities to our cities um, that are a little more convenient and, and maybe economical, uh, but also sustainable and supportive for the people that actually live there. Um, and... What we try to do is, is see how we could really link and tie in together livability, sustainability and affordability, because quite often the way that cities and, and homes and things are developed today, you know, you have these buzzwords of sustainability and affordability, but it's very hard to get all of these three things together in, in one solution, because normally if something is affordable, it's maybe not so sustainable. Or if something is, you know, extremely sustainable and very livable, it's actually really expensive. So we actually wanted to challenge the way that we do things today um, and, and kind of figure out how we can integrate ideas within these three pillars, if you like, into one solution that can actually ensure that all three things are being executed. Um, and we kind of primarily started uh, when you look at the affordability model of, of understanding existing ways of urban development. So everything from the speculative developer model, which is, you know, kind of high amounts of money being invested with short return on investment, which is then driving up housing prices um, and looking at the scale all the way down to self-building and social housing and, and try to see where there are, you know, opportunities in, at each stage of the of the process from buying the land to actually the maintenance of the building once it's there. So the Urban Village Project tries to yeah, challenge the existing way that we invest in land and developments of cities and then also kind of rethinks a little bit how we live in those, those buildings as well and our relationship to goods and services and, and how we even finance our homes.
um, yeah. You talked about shared spaces and sh shared services and so on, but can you give us any examples of what that that might uh, might be like? Mm -hmm. I mean, so one of the approaches we took was, I mean, in in most new de developments, whether it's a, a public space or housing, a lot of the developments are mixed use now anyway. So integrating retail and and kind of services and facilities with with housing. So that's quite a common trend. But what we tried to look at is how do you see what's around in the existing neighborhood. So for example, the, the services and facilities would actually be different from village to village. It has to be context-based. It has to be, you know, in collaboration with the existing neighborhood and, and businesses that already exist to offer the community something new and supportive. Um, it needs to be convenient and, and kind of be, you know, very accessible uh, for the people that live there. So, I mean, in, in the first kind of ideation of what we did, we looked at you know, if it was a space in Copenhagen, um, potentially there would be a maker space where people could go in and build things or, you know, a place where they could fix or print even their furniture that they wanted to have in their house. Um, we also talked about shared gardens and how do you bring nature into the city a little more and make it more accessible. So it could be sensory gardens or places that people grow food. Um, and, you know, it could everything also be down to things like um, like childcare and education, helping people to, you know, be able to have somewhere where their children can be looked after with ease and, and connected to your home. Um, and also a place for the community to meet and come together, creating this social infrastructure, basically, to help people meet in real life um, and, and start forming community where they live through yeah, different uh, spaces. You have nice illustrations on your website of the village the structures are made of wood and there are plants all around. But what is sustainability in a larger sense in the urban village? Yeah, well, first of all, the um, the architects that we worked with, Effect, they, they've been quite interested in, in mass timber. So cross-laminated timber uh, is a little bit easier and, and more, more Google-friendly, if you like. But it is a, a new construction method that is is actually becoming really promising. Um, it's still waiting for its S-curve moment, if you like, to kind of reach more affordable affordability and and manufacturing techniques. But it's something that you know, if it's sustainably managed, uh, this this timber is actually extremely uh, more efficient on many levels than concrete and and um, and steel. And you can actually you know, it can be manufactured digitally, it can be prefabbed, uh, it makes it a lot more easier to modify and reduces waste. And it also means that actually when you are constructing with this uh, timber, you're, you're on site for much less of a time, there's much less risk, if you like, involved. But adding to the construction, um, there's a few different ideas here around sustainability. So the first is we looked at how do you design for disassembly? And what this means is, instead of you know, today when you, you're building a building, you'd have a partner that would deliver, for example, windows. Um, that partner would deliver the windows and then they almost would hand, hand over, right? So they wouldn't really have a relationship to that product or that component once they've delivered it. But imagine if we could start to form new relationships to these. So we encourage the, the people and partners actually providing these components um, to actually register and record and, and understand where these windows, for example, are in the building. They can see how they're performing. They know if something breaks or if actually a tenant or, you know, people living there want to change their system, then they can actually, you know, take that product back into the circular 
um, uh, circular process, which would then be able to when they'd be able to edit and put it back into their their business. So actually, instead of it being thrown away, they could reuse uh, elements of it. So that's that's one part that is you know making sure that what we're consuming is is part of a circular loop. Um, the second part of it looks at how on a day-to-day basis, we can integrate uh, sustainability because, you know, if we're really going to make a difference, we need to make sustainable living an integral and like easy part of everyday life. So we would offer uh, people, you know, the ability to power your home through solar energy. You could harvest water directly on your balcony. You could grow food. Um, You could even like directly compost in your kitchen. Uh, And the idea is you know, there's a lot of different things that you can look at with energy, water, food and, and waste streams that run through a village. Um, but the idea is that it's all modular and, and kind of decided by the people that live there. So if you are ready to grow your own food, you can. Um, otherwise, you can use the shared gardens. Um, if you want to harvest your water, you can. But it's just about trying to encourage these these new behaviours, if you like, that um, that can overall make your everyday life more sustainable and actually reduce costs uh, at the same time. You talked about uh, affordability. Mm-hmm. So, um, what makes this model affordable, more affordable than than the way that we are building now well, for the uh, uh, residents? Well, I'm sure, as as you know, it's uh, the affordability part is is for sure the trickiest and, and most complicated part to unlock. And you know, people are are working on this tirelessly as well in many different ways, um, and it's not easy. But if we are going to make housing more affordable, we do need to disrupt the way that we do things today. And and the main thing that we looked at was um, how do we encourage long-term investments into housing? Um, so you would we were kind of looking at seeking to finance the construction and services through partners actually looking for long-term investments. So this could be, say, pension funds or future-orientated companies, you know, like IKEA but also working with municipalities. Um, so you'd have to work together with the, the government and, and, you know, the, yeah, the municipality actually developing neighborhoods. And then you would just combine it with these more democratic setups. Um, so, you know, looking at community land trusts and, and actually cooperatives. So these are things that already exist, but it's about the combination of how you get them to work and, and interact together. Um, and then when you actually look at the, the inhabitant or the people that live there if you actually combine yeah like i mentioned the way that you finance the construction and the land and everything in one way you can offer more affordable homes at the beginning to enter the market but actually if we're really going to make it affordable living you need to not just look at the price of the home you also need to look at you know the everyday life costs so the monthly or yearly consumption because i know for myself my biggest costs actually when you put them together is, you know, my gym, my transport, my food, my recreation and yoga and swimming and, you know, like all these different costs. And what we started to look at is subscription models. So, you know, we all now don't necessarily own all our DVDs or even our cars. We share them and subscribe to them. So how could we do this with a number of, um, yeah, our everyday life costs? And if we actually had say an urban village company um we would seek that 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 company would then go and make deals and partnerships with you know companies providing these services and facilities whether it's insurance 
um, food boxes that can be delivered to your door, laundry, things like this. And then actually, because of the scale and the amount of people that you'd be sharing this with, those costs would be automatically reduced. They'd be like bundled costs, if you like. So essentially, you'd also reduce those living costs that right now you're paying for, you know, with individual companies and then help actually, yeah, bring them together into an easy model that you can subscribe to and, and turn on and off monthly uh, whenever it suits you. Um, because I know for me with my gym, for example, I couldn't actually go to the gym for a few years. So I actually never canceled it because, you know, when you want to cancel the gym, you you kind of need to give like a few month grace period where you still have to pay for three months in advance. And then if you do cancel and you want to go back on, you then have to pay three months in advance. So actually it's quite a big outgoing in that month to just kind of stop and start. But if you could do it this way, you could actually just easily with a touch of a button, you know, turn it on and off because it's already connected to a deal on where you live. Um, so when you did have a big medical bill, you could say, okay, I actually need to turn off my, uh, media account this month and my you know um yeah my gym for example so it's just giving people a little, a little bit more empowerment and flexibility over their outgoings each month um which i think could be quite exciting to explore hmm yes <laughs> definitely yeah um so uh if we we're talking about a, a village it takes some space in the city and it obviously needs to be planned and uh, <laughs> uh what, what what kind of um arrangement with the urban planning or planners that, that would this village require? Yes, I mean, as you know, we're still in the exploration phase of the project, so we haven't um, directly begun, you know, I mean, we've had dialogues with, with the municipalities and, and people working in this this area, but we haven't, like, sat down and, and started to plan one of these. But from what our, what we understand, you know, we would have to... Um, yeah, look at what areas of a city are planning to be developed and, and talk to the municipality and, and kind of create this community land trust so that you do it together. And I think the thing is also that we don't want to create siloed buildings or like siloed communities. It needs to, you know, be part of the, the whole neighborhood. Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, but in terms of size and, and scale, the whole project is actually designed not to just be a building it's about about a scalable and flexible model and and system and also a concept actually that can kind of scale and adapt to different contexts and scenarios so there is a visualization um i'm not sure if it's on the website but you can find it in our on some of the articles written um that you can actually turn it into an infill project for example in europe or a city block scale um you could also look at creating dense skyscrapers uh, in, in cities such as Beijing or New York. So it's it's a flexible system. Um, and in terms of like market fit, uh, again, it would be totally related to, you know, the resource availability of, of the construction te uh, technology. It would look at the building codes and the city regulations. Um, it's very, very complicated, right, to do any development uh, project. But, but yeah, so to answer your question, we would definitely have to work with with uh, the municipality and, and and mayors and and kind of the development um, bodies of a city, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of, I just wanted to add, in terms of IKEA, they they're now starting to do city center stores, um, and as part of that, they have to actually provide a certain number of housing and and student accommodation and things quite often. Um, 
So it's also quite interesting to see um, how, you know, if they have to actually build what could be the offering of housing, they already have a lot of, say, furniture offerings, but what could be the, the housing offering? Um, and so we're just trying to trying to inspire and, and engage discussions on, on that, really. Uh, the same for everyone else developing cities. We want to make sure that they also have some nice ideas to, you know, create community and, and see the importance of creating livable and sustainable spaces. You already mentioned Effect Architects. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about how you collaborate with, with them? Actually, the way that Space 10 works in general is that we're only 30 people sitting here in uh, Copenhagen and we all have very different backgrounds. So I'm an architect, but they, we have bioengineers and chefs and digital designers. And, and so we're quite a small team working on, you know, each project. So actually collaboration is, is one of the biggest parts of, of how we work and how we're able to work. Um, and when we started to explore shared living, um, we were looking at different architecture offices in Copenhagen that we could, you know, that are our neighbors, if you like. And Effect Architects were quite an obvious choice for us. Us. Um, they did a project called the Regen Village uh, a couple of years ago, which was just a fantastic project looking at how you can create off the grid uh, cities and, and micro neighborhoods. Um, and we just really got inspired by that project and, and thought, how do we actually turn this into more of an urban context? Um, so the way that we worked with Effect was we had a few, few meetings and just actually workshops, just ideated and, you know, spent some hours discussing what we really want to do with this project and essentially they have a design team that's that were dedicated to this project for a few months and um came back to, back and forth basically each week and we had yeah just meetings um they they were driving of course the design and the the concepts and then we were kind of guiding and giving feedback um mm. uh, well i i understand that this is you're you're still developing the concept and, and the project but uh can you say if, when when and where <laughs> could we see a an urban village in the future i wish i could say when <laughs> <laughs> um i mean yeah we're, you're right we're, we're really at an early stage and um we need to keep exploring there's some really big ideas in this project that you know you need to be also careful with implementing and uh you know we're very conscious of that it's not you know easy things to kind of change and disrupt the construction industry and and the way that we pay for our homes but for the first things we need to do is just keep exploring uh, speak to more experts uh, go through kind of these three stages of validation if you like and that's that's kind of what we're setting out a roadmap to do now so testing the feasibility of some of these ideas. Um, actually, the reason we launched it so early is to test the desirability also. So on the microsite that we launched, um, there's a whole section where you can give feedback. And we actually really encourage people to, you know, tell us, is this awful? Is this great? Do you want to live there? Do you have alternative suggestions to how, how to make this better? Um, are you working in cross-laminated timber and, and, you know, see that this isn't suitable or, you know, everything? We're just testing actually do people want this um, and then of course you need to test the viability as well so we are looking into how we can prototype some of these ideas um, both the construction the business the community all different things um, but in terms of timeline it's actually really uncertain right now uh, but the good thing is is that all these things not nothing is really new it's all about how to you know link them together that's new um, so Mm. So technically, we could do it. We could start tomorrow, but um, 
it takes a little <laughs> longer than that. <laughs> uh, what kind of feedback have you already received? Well, we've had um, around 200 responses on the website so far. Uh, a lot more emails and, and you know, messaging on, on other channels. Um, but direct feedback around 200 in a week, which has been, which is pretty nice. Uh, and it's actually from all over the world. So we've had people in the Caribbean, Brazil, Peru, India, China, um, all over EU. A lot from Russia, actually, and Canada. Just kind of reaching out and saying, I, think, I would say like 90% of the feedback, maybe 85% of the feedback has just been really positive and people saying, you know, I've been looking for a community like this or it's really nice to see how we could, you know, keep the balance of sustainability and affordability and livability. I think that's really resonating with people. Um, but of course, there's also been a lot of requests and, and actually suggestions, which is really nice. Um, people suggesting different construction techniques or... Uh, people reaching out saying, hey, I'm developing a city in uh, India. Can you come and uh, talk to us about yeah, how, to, how we can develop our projects? Um, and we've also had some criticism, um, which is also really nice. And actually why, as I said, we launched it. We want to hear what people think. I think people are quite worried about the, the financial modeling. And again, as you brought up, the, the regulations. I mean, this, this is everything you build is, is very um, kind of restricted by building codes and, and city regulations. Um, but, but it's also, you know, something that we are aware of and, and are working with different partners and things to, to figure out. Um, and of course, we've got a lot of work also on the backside of, of this uh, that is business modeling and, and everything that obviously we're not ready to release as of yet. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been primarily good. Uh, a lot of requests and an interest to collaborate and then a few people giving yeah um, alternative solutions and 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 kind of honest feedback and criticism so it's been been really good actually i'm sure that now our listeners are eager to learn more how can they find more information about uh, the, the urban village so we we launched a website called urbanvillageproject.com um as an architect, I would say that it's, you know, it is the bite-sized website of, of some of the ideas. I think the biggest problem we had is it's such a complicated project. So how do you turn that into like edible uh, information? Um, but, but that's definitely got some more in-depth uh, in depth stuff. Um, there's been a lot of great articles actually written about it in Design and Art Daily and Design Boom and things that actually have a lot of detail. Um, but otherwise, you can send an email to urbanvillageproject at space10.io, and it's 10 with the the, the numbers, one, one zero. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's, there's like a feedback form that will get sent to you, so you can actually send a request through that. Um, and yeah, we, we've got a database of of all the things coming in and then we kind of slowly go through and, and get back to everyone. So it's important for us that we actually engage everyone that reaches out. So if you send us something, we will for sure reply in time. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for, for giving this interview. I, I, it is very exciting stuff and, and I'm looking, so forward, <laughs> looking forward to how, how, how you getting the ball rolling. Um, yes, me but, too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jamie, thank you very much and uh, all the best for your project. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great day.